For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everyone, this is Scott Reichel and this is the Betting Bay Area Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams, do you believe? Quick reminder, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. On this week's show, we are going to be looking at the Oakland Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers as they head into their Week 3 matchups in the NFL. And we'll try to provide you once again with important information that can help everyone make some money in the betting markets. Depending on how long this show goes, they might be able to squeeze in some Oakland A's coverage, but we will see how that works. Quick recap, though, of last week, we ended up going 2-2. Two and two. We ended up winning on both games in terms of the spread, but we ended up losing on both of the totals. So, in terms of units, we were relatively even, as we recommended the 49ers on the money line at plus money, and that brought us basically to square. But either way, we're going to look for a winning week today. And with that being said, we're going to dive right into the Oakland Raiders once again, as they prepare to take on the Minnesota Vikings on the road on Sunday afternoon. Now, in terms of the spread in this game, Minnesota was originally a 7-point favorite. However, that has been bet up to minus 9, and the total is at roughly 43.5. Oakland lost last week against Kansas City by a score of 28-10. to Game in which we prepared for, we said Kansas City should score a lot of points, and they ended up not reaching their total of 35 due to a turnover in the red zone by Patrick Mahomes. But Mahomes did pretty much nothing for three quarters with the exception of his four, uh, of the four touchdowns scored in the second quarter. And Oakland's offense completely fell off after a good couple of opening drives. Josh Jacobs, though, continued to do a good job in the backfield as he had 12 carries for 99 yards. And Derek Carr, on the other hand, definitely struggled after a solid performance against the Broncos in Week 1 as he went 23 of 38 for 198 passing yards with one touchdown and two interceptions. Definitely not his finest performance. Kansas City doesn't exactly have the greatest secondary, but their pass rush was able to force a lot of pressures onto Carr, and he struggled as a result. Meanwhile, Tyrell Williams, though, offseason acquisition, did a solid job once again as he had 46 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Darren Waller, uh, Hard Knocks' favorite, uh, the tight end, he had another solid performance as he had a team-high six receptions for 63 receiving yards. However, it is worth mentioning going into this game that the Raiders do face a potential distraction. Uh, specifically, the Raiders are being sent on the road for the next 48 days. In other words, they will not return to Oakland for another game until November 3rd. So during that stretch away from home, the Raiders will be playing the Vikings on the road, as I just said, in this week. They will play the Colts next week. Then they go to London to play the Bears in Week 5. Then they get a bye in Week 6. And then they go to Green Bay on the road. And then they go to Houston on the road for Week 8. And that is a 48-day road trip. Of course, some of them will 
realistically fly back home to Oakland. But in terms of gameplay, they will be playing away from home for a long period of time. And that does not sit well with Coach John Gruden, who made comments about it. Definitely harsh towards the NFL. In specific words on the comment, Gruden said, quote, It's uncommon, maybe unprecedented, maybe unrealistic, and this should never happen again in pro football. I'm not excited about it, and we'll adapt and do the best that we can. So, that's not exactly a bet-on quote for me when you tell me that you're not excited about this road trip, but you'll do the best you can. Doesn't really sound that great. Do I think it's going to immediately impact them in the first game of this road trip? No, but I definitely think it could lead to some issues in the the upcoming uh, couple of games as if your head coach was coming out publicly and saying that this type of road trip's unprecedented and it's unrealistic that this should ever happen and that he's not excited about it, I got to assume that 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 type of negativity might carry over to the players itself. Do I think it's ridiculous in the premise? Of course it is, because I think that it's insane that a team has to play away from home for over a month. But at the same point, it is what it is. They got The Raiders got the raw end of the schedule deal. But overall, do I think it's going to impact them in this game? Maybe a little bit. But overall, I think that that's something that will affect them more long term. However, in terms of recent trends, that does not support the Raiders either, as the Raiders are 1-6 against the spread in their last seven road games, and the Raiders are also 1-5 against the spread in their last six games after allowing less than 90 rushing yards in their previous game. Now, in terms of transition to the Vikings here, uh, despite an impressive performance against the Falcons in Week 1, they did end up losing in Week 2 to the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field by a score of 21-16. to Dalvin Cook, though, was great once again as he had 154 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, and he is actually the current clubhouse leader in rushing yards with, uh, with 265 in the league. So, assuming he does not get injured, he is definitely on pace for a potential rushing title. But other than that, though, Kirk Cousins was the main reason why the Vikings lost. He was terrible, and he ended up going 14 of 32 with one passing touchdown, one loss fumble, and two interceptions, with one of those interceptions coming with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter, in the red zone on first and goal at Green Bay's eight-yard line. One of the most ill-advised passes I've seen from a veteran in quite some time. If you do not know what I'm talking about, it, look it up. It is absolutely terrible. But either or, Kirk Cousins, everyone knows, is... How do I put this delicately? I wouldn't say he's overrated because people know that he's not that great. He's definitely overpaid. I think that's the word I'm going to end up using as the Vikings gave him a king's ransom to to sign him to become the franchise-saving quarterback, so to speak. And he has been pretty much a liability up to this point. And one will look for him to try to bounce back against Oakland here in Week 3. On the bright side for Minnesota, though, their defense was extremely solid in the second half after a poor start. Gave up 14 points against Green Bay in the first quarter, and people thought that this game was going to turn into a blowout. However, the Vikings gave up no points after halftime, which allowed their offense to climb back into the game. Even though they still lost, giving up no points to an Aaron Rodgers-led offense in one half is definitely impressive. And I think that's something that the Vikings defense will look to carry into this Oakland game in terms of momentum. In terms of trends, the Vikings are 7-1 against the spread in their last eight games after accumulating more than 150 rushing yards in their previous game. And the Vikings are also 5-1 against the spread in their last six games following an ATS loss. Now in terms of my prediction for this game, I will be taking the Vikings minus 9 and I will also be siding with the under 43 and a half. The spread of the... uh, 
the actual game result in itself, the final score prediction for me, will be Minnesota 24 and Oakland 13. No offense to all of the Raiders fans watching or listening to this podcast, as I don't mean to diss your team. I simply just think that Minnesota is the better overall team. Oakland's secondary did not look great last week, especially with the absence of Abram. Conley looked good, though, once he returned from that scary injury in Week 1. But as a whole, Oakland's offense struggled against a pretty underwhelming Kansas City defense. Minnesota still has a very good pass rush, very good secondary. Harrison Smith out there will probably be covering be covering Waller, and I think he should do a pretty solid job. In terms of Oakland's offense, I think it will struggle. It struggled with pass protection for Carr. I think that the Vikings' defensive uh, presence should be able to force Carr into a lot of quarterback pressures. Where Oakland's defense is serviceable, it has been solid against the run, but against the pass, it has not been that great. I think Cousins should play a little bit better at home in Week 3, but I still think he won't do well enough for the Vikings to score more than 27 points or so. So for that reason, I think that this game will come down to the wire in terms of spreads, but I do think Minnesota will cover and win this game by about 11 points in a relatively low-scoring game. Now, uh, if you want more information about the Raiders exclusively, Believe also has you covered. Check out the Believe in Raiders podcast hosted by Brad Williamson, where he lays out the keys to victory for the Raiders this week against the Vikings. Now, uh, if you're interested in advertising for this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com, because currently we are sponsored by nobody. So if you want to change that, simply reach out to us here at Believe, and we can potentially work something out. Other than that, though, we're going to transition to the San Francisco 49ers game as they are headed back, they are headed home for the first time this season to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers actually opened up as a one-point favorite when the, when the lines were released before the Week 2 games were played. Now San Francisco is a 7-point favorite, and the over-under is roughly at 43 49ers have looked fantastic so far this season as they are currently in a three-way tie for first place in the NFC West with a 2-0 record. They beat the Bengals last week by a score of 41-17. Definitely didn't expect the 49ers to go into that game and score 41 points. Testament to how bad Cincinnati's defense is and also a testament to the fact that San Francisco looks really comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo back in the lineup after some initial growing pains in Week 1. As Garoppolo ended up, comp- ended up going 17 for 25, for 296 passing yards with three touchdowns and one interception. Matt Breida carried the uh, the bulk of the 49ers rushing attack as he ended up having 121 rushing yards on 12 carries. Raheem Mostert, though, did a lot in Tevin Coleman's absence as he ended up having 13 carries for 83 yards. And he also contributed in the past game as he had three receptions for 63 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. And recent signing, Jeff Wilson Jr. in his first game with the team ended up having 10 carries for 34 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So as a whole, San Francisco ran the ball down Cincinnati's throats as they ended up having 42 carries for 259 yards, which equals 6.2 yards per carry and two rushing touchdowns last week. Do I expect that amount of success to carry over into this week against Pittsburgh? No, but it is definitely a good sign that a Kyle Shanahan offense has stuck to the game plan of keeping a lot of balance on the offense, especially with Garoppolo, whose knees are still a little bit of a concern as he is still working his way back from that off se- from the offseason recovery process of that injury he suffered last year. But he's looked really good. The balance has definitely helped out. And in terms of the offense, uh, the passing game, I wouldn't say did that much. Debo Samuel definitely had a solid game as he ended up leading the 49ers in receiving yards and he also ended up having a touchdown 
George Kittle's been relatively quiet so far this season, but look for him to potentially pick it up against Pittsburgh's linebacking core. In terms of the other things to note from that game, the 49ers, though, won kind of con from their performance last week. They still had nine penalties for 75 yards, which is not much better than their 11 penalties for 87 yards they had in week one. I mean, 20 penalties for in total for about 162 yards is definitely not something that you'd want to continue to have happen throughout the rest of the season. 49ers have to do a better job of being disciplined. I saw it in the preseason. I mentioned it last week as one of the keys to victory, and they were able to win despite the nine penalties, but look for them to try to work on that moving forward. Other other than that, a quick injury announcement for the 49ers. A huge deal. Six-time Pro Bowl or offensive tackle. Joe Staley will be out six to eight weeks with a fractured fibula, which was suffered in the middle of last week's game. Huge deal. you got to wonder how it's going to impact the 49ers in terms of pass protection as well as in the run-blocking game, as the 49ers have been priding themselves on keeping a clean pocket for Garoppolo, and Staley's their best offensive lineman, so one has to wonder how well or how much of a drop-off the 49ers will have offensively. Do I think it'll be a big deal? No. I think it could be a big deal long-term. But the, but the Steelers have a formidable pass rush, and one will have to find out how Kyle Shanahan will game plan around it. Other than that, though, Tevin Coleman is still injured with a high ankle sprain. He has not practiced, and he is doubtful for this game. And the San Francisco's, 40, and San Francisco's defense was also great last week, as it ended up having four sacks against Cincinnati's below-average offensive line, and it also ended up forcing one interception. Now to switch gears to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They ended up losing in Week 2 to Seattle by a score of 28-26 to at home. Seattle had 164 more offensive yards than Pittsburgh and also had 8 more first downs. However, Pittsburgh made headlines so far during this week as they ended up uh, getting a trade done between them and the Miami Dolphins as they acquired first-round pick uh, defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick along with a 2024th-round pick and a 2021 7th-round pick in exchange for a first-round pick and a fifth-round pick this year and a sixth-round pick next year. Quick thoughts on the trade. I give the Dolphins a B, and I give the Steelers a C. I give the Steelers a C-plus here. I think Miami won the trade. The goal that they are clearly setting out for themselves is to tank for Tua. They want to finish with potentially an 0-16 record. That's what you get from trading your best defensive player as well as your best offensive player in Laramie Tunsil the week prior. So Miami's doing whatever they can to trade any resemblance of talent, and they are trying to finish as bad as possible. But in terms of Pittsburgh, all this means to me is that they're all in on Mason Rudolph as their quarterback for the future, and I am not so high on that idea. Mason Rudolph has appeared in one NFL game so far in his career, which was last week, which I'll get to in a minute. But Pittsburgh in a pretty solid quarterback class with Tua, potentially Eason, potentially from coming out this upcoming NFL draft, you trade your first-round pick, which is potentially a top-10 pick, for a defensive back when you're 0-2, for... You're basically admitting that you think Mason Rudolph is the future of your franchise, and he's only played in one NFL game in the regular season. I don't get it. I'll give him a C-plus, because I do think Minka Fitzpatrick's a really solid player, but I also think Pittsburgh isn't one defensive back away from competing. I still think Baltimore will win the division. I think Cleveland will improve after the first two weeks that they've had. So for me, I think Pittsburgh's wasting their time. I'll give them a C-plus, though, as they did improve in the short term. But I think in the long term, after they fire Tomlin during the offseason, I think this might be a move they come to regret. Either or, 
Uh, main reason why I'm skeptical of this is the fact that Big Ben, their starting quarterback and their franchise quarterback and future Hall of Famer, is out for the year with a, with a season-ending elbow injury that ended up requiring season-ending elbow surgery that he suffered in the middle of the Seahawks game. Was he doing much beforehand? No, but at the same point, he is still a veteran who knows the offense inside and out, and you have to wonder how quickly it'll take Mason Rudolph to adapt. However, he did a pretty good job in his in Big Ben's absence in Week 2, as he ended up going 12 for 19 for 112 passing yards, with two passing touchdowns and one interception. He also had a QBR of, of 92.4, which is very impressive. Receiver Juju Smith-Schuster at five catches for 84 yards. Meanwhile, Vance McDonald definitely appeared to be Mason Rudolph's favorite target as he ended up having two receiving touchdowns. Seward's defense was also great as it ended up forcing four sacks and two turnovers. It is worth mentioning that starting running back James Conner is still dealing with a knee injury. He has not practiced all week and he is questionable to play. Jalen Samuels will handle the bulk of the action if Conner is not able to go. And Benny Snell Jr. might provide some touches off the bench, but that remains to be seen. In terms of the prediction for this game, I, I think the 49ers will win, but I think this game will be closer than advertised, and I will lean to the 49ers winning by a score of 24-20, to 20, which means that I will be siding with the Steelers plus 6.5, as well as the over 43. Now, the main reason why I like the Steelers in this spot is the fact that I really don't think the drop-off offensively is that... I don't think there's much of a drop-off between Big Ben and Mason Rudolph so far, based on what I've seen this season. Looking at it, Big Ben has generated 13 total points so far this season and really looked a bit lost, and his lack of mobility wasn't helping him out with the lack of weapons that they have. Rudolph has some mobility. He did look good against the Seahawks in the second half, and I simply think that since this total open, since the spread opened up at minus one for Pittsburgh, and now it's, down, now it's at minus seven for San Francisco... I don't think Big Ben is worth eight points. I think that's absurd. I think Big Ben should be worth maybe two and a half to three points, which means that the 49ers should be favored by about two points or so. Since the Steelers are being given about a touchdown, I have to lean to the Steelers. So I'll lean to the Steelers plus seven or plus six and a half, wherever you can get, but it is available at plus seven in some some spots. So I will lean to the plus seven. In terms of the total, I think it'll be neck and neck. I think it'll be very close in terms of the 43, especially with Staley's injury with the to the offensive line for San Francisco. So I question how much of an impact his absence will have. But at the same point, San Francisco's defense has played well, but Pittsburgh's offense actually looked decent with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I think they should get into the 20s. I think San Francisco should get into the 20s as well, as Pittsburgh's defense completely fell apart in the second half against Seattle. I think Fitzpatrick will... Play, of course, he according to some reports, he has provided a bit of a spark for the team in practice so far, but he doesn't really know the defensive scheme yet. I think it will take a couple of weeks for him to get fully acclimated in the defensive system. So I think he'll have a minor impact, but I do think both teams should get into the 20s, and I think the 49ers will win in their first home game, but I think this game will be very close, and I think that seven points is a bit too much. So I will lean to the Steelers plus seven and the over 43, and I will also, just to recap on the on the Raiders game, I will also lean to the Vikings minus 9, as well as the under 43 and a half. Now, a quick reminder, though, if you do want more information about the 49ers exclusively, Believe also has you covered. Check out the Believe in 49ers podcast hosted by Rashawn Haylock, 
as alongside with 13-year NFL veteran Eric Davis as they break down the 49ers. They have a pregame show, a postgame show. They cover everything in and out. So if you want more details on that, check them out. Once again, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. Now, since we are currently at the 19-minute mark, that gives me a little bit of time to cover the Oakland A's as they are still in the middle of their playoff push. They are currently in possession of the first AL wildcard as this team has been absolutely just, they've been on fire lately. And this weekend, they're going, to be ta- they're going to be facing off against the Texas Rangers. I'm not going to give a, uh, a specific game breakdown, but I will give a series prediction. I think Oakland's probably going to sweep Texas over the weekend here. Texas is, t- is right now 32-46 and 46 on the road this season, where Oakland is 50-28 and 28 at home. They've been great. you got Fires pitching on Friday against Miner. Miner's solid, but Oakland at this point in the season, I'm not betting against them at any point. They still need to win. They are still motivated as the Rays and the Indians can still hypothetically push them out of the playoff picture. But as of right now, Oakland has won eight of their last nine games. They are one of the hottest teams in baseball. Texas, on the other hand, has been struggling lately. Hasn't had much to play for ever since this team collapsed at uh, roughly right past the All-Star break. So I don't expect much to change on that one. Oakland is still on fire, and I will continue to ride Oakland on that one. Brief recap, but I will definitely go more into Oakland as the playoff picture approaches, as they should be playing in the AL wildcard game sometime in the next couple of weeks. But other than that, though, that's going to go for this installment of betting uh, Bay Area here with Believe. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and good luck to all of you and your respective bets today. Bye, everyone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.